Section 3 of the National Geographic Magazine, Volume 9, December 1898. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Atlantic Coast Tides by Mark S. W. Jefferson The tides of the eastern American coast are oscillations of the shallow waters on the continental shelf communicated from the swaying ocean beyond. The area must be subdivided into the coast proper facing the open waters of the shelf and the shallow basins included behind islands and banks. The continental shelf is a submerged platform along our shores, sloping so gently that it would appear flat to the eye if it were a land surface, and margined eastward by the line of one hundred fathoms soundings. From Long Island northward, a line of banks rear their summits to within thirty fathoms of the surface along the eastern margin of the shelf, with deeper waters between them and the land. Between these banks, however, are numerous deeper openings, through which tidal movements are communicated landward as well as over the shallow banks. Southward from Long Island, the descent of the shelf is beach-like and uninterrupted from the shore to the line of one hundred fathoms. Only in the waters east of southern Florida do the Bahamas come in to interrupt the descent to the ocean depths. This general configuration is shown on the accompanying sketch. Where a broken line represents the one hundred fathom line and the approximate boundary of the continental shelf. The dotted lines enclose the banks, and the band of shading indicates the steep slope to depths of two thousand fathoms. Numbers indicate tide ranges. The northern half of the shelf is seen to be wider than the southern, besides being distinguished by the line of banks. Within this area lie the enclosed basins, Long Island Sound, the Gulf of Maine, and the Gulf of St. Lawrence. They increase in depth and size from south to north. Tides on the Coast Proper An examination of the whole coastline shows an intimate relation between time and range of tide, and the form of cross-section of the continental shelf off each station. In a few cases, it is difficult to decide in what direction the cross-section should be drawn, but in general an east-west line gives satisfactory results besides according well with the general conception of the Atlantic tidal oscillation. But it is certain that the tidal impulse is not limited closely to transmission in one direction. The tidal range appears to vary with the width of the continental shelf where the descent to the sea is unbroken, where shoals stand on the shelf margin, the range is thereby diminished, being greatest opposite the openings between the shoals. The general tide relations on the coast are as follows. In the north, in the Nova Scotia, New Finland area, the line of 100 fathoms is about 200 miles offshore, if measured on an east-west line. A series of banks lie just within this line, while close, without the descent, is rapid to 2,000 fathoms. The tide ranges are from 4.5 to 7 feet. In the middle bay, from Nantucket to Hatteras, one hundred fathoms and the descent to oceanic depths are alike some seventy miles out. Tide range from two to four feet. 
in the southern bay the one hundred fathom line is thirty to eighty miles from land while the descent to two thousand fathoms lies two hundred and forty miles out tide ranges are here from four to eight feet the northern area the tide reaches shore first at country harbor well up toward the gut of Kanzo, and due west from the deep entrance to the gulf of st lawrence thirty minutes later it has reached the southwest end of nova scotia and the northeast end of cape breton island after another half hour it reaches the south coast of newfoundland the tidal impulse seems to enter these waters by the entrance of the st lawrence the banks of newfoundland barring off the ocean to the east if this be true it is here transmitted along a southeast northwest line that this is so is confirmed by the fact that the tide reaches the south side of sable island an hour before it appears on the north side sable island stands close to the eastern margin of the shelf southwest from the country harbor the smaller ranges occur on the south coast of newfoundland where the tide has only indirect access to the shore middle bay tides the middle bay lies in a one hundred and twenty degree angle of the coast with vertex at sandy hook and the sides resting on nantucket and hatteras respectively the continental shelf in this bay is widest off sandy hook where it is channeled across by the submerged valley of the hudson tidal ranges increase from about two feet at nantucket and hatteras to more than four feet at points on the jersey shore and at sandy hook the extreme difference of times throughout the bay is about an hour the distribution being somewhat irregular there are three points of early almost simultaneous high water no man's land near martha's vineyard fire island inlet on the south coast of long island cape hatteras at four other points high water receives almost simultaneously an hour later nantucket south shore montauk point entrance to long island sound delaware bay entrance chesapeake bay entrance between these points there is a good progression of times from early to late it will be noticed that the entrance to new york bay is not a late point like the delaware and chesapeake entrances yet there is some delay from fire island to sandy hook in general the time differences are of a magnitude perfectly explicable by variations of depth and shore configuration the expectation that weak tides should early reach the headlands nantucket and hatteras and progress thence toward the bay head is not realized save for amplitudes the times are as early within as at the bay headlands the amplitudes do increase up the bay this portion of the american shore is nearest to the swaying ocean with its ebb and flood currents alternating along the shore the characteristic of the coastline is longshore transportation cut headlands and long beaches and bars to which the soft material of the coast readily lends itself the only considerable interruptions in the continuous beaches from montauk point to hatteras are at the remoter portions these openings are aided at new york and new jersey by the stronger tides and at the chesapeake by the outflowing waters of the northern half of the appalachians southern bay tides the shores here have three types the cuspated capes in carolina the georgia entrances and the florida sandbars 
The tide ranges are roughly proportional to the distance from the 100-fathom line. The tide reaches Hatteras at about the same time as the general northern coast. The range is there 3.6 feet, and the escarpment 30 miles away. As far south as Savannah, entrance distances from the 100-fathom line increase steadily. The range mounts up to 7 feet, and the tide is an hour later. The line is here 80 miles distant. From this point southward, the line draws in toward the coast. The ranges diminish, and the delay increases, as the tide impulse is now transmitted down the coast, the Bahamas barring off the ocean to the eastward. At Canaveral, configuration of shallows heaps up the range to five feet, but this is local only. The coastline has analogies in the matter of longshore carriage to the middle bay. At the bay head, the greater tides break the continuity of the sandbars and play in and out by innumerable channels. The Basin Tides Long Island Sound, the Gulf of Maine, and the Gulf of St. Lawrence have their tides respectively four, three, and two hours after the open coast tides. This delay and a simultaneity of high tide for at least a part of their area constitute their common tidal features. Gulf of Maine Tides The Gulf of Maine, according to the usage of our coast survey, includes the waters of the New England coast from Monomoy to Cape Sable, Nova Scotia. Its basin is partially barred to the south by the Nantucket and George's Shoals, to the east by Brown's Bank. On these shoals, soundings of thirty to forty fathoms prevail. Between Browns and the Georges is a sixteen-mile-wide channel across the continental shelf, connecting the ocean with the deep gulf center. Here, over an area measuring perhaps a third of that of the whole gulf, soundings range from one hundred fathoms to near two hundred. About two-thirds the area is in more than forty-three fathoms. The continental escarpment lies two hundred miles from the main coast, but the shelf is interrupted by the Gulf of Maine and margins around it. The shoals to the east and south have been well named by Mr. Mitchell the Sill. To the north, the Bay of Fundy extends from the deep area of the Gulf to Cape d'Or, Nova Scotia. To the southward lie Massachusetts Bay and Cape Cod Bay, all on the continental shelf. The main coast opposite the deep area is deeply and minutely dissected. For each of the 159 tidal stations in this area, the lunatidal intervals have been taken from the tide tables of the U.S. Coast Survey and refer to the time of high water at St. John's, Newfoundland. The datum resulting is the mean solar time interval between high water at St. John's and local high water. It is corrected for difference of longitude and the moon's motion. It differs from a co-tidal hour, such as Weywell, used in being referred to another station than Greenwich, and by being expressed in mean solar instead of a lunar time. All the stations have been examined, and on the American coast, where stations are very numerous, a few have been selected that agree well with those in their neighborhood. These, with all the stations on the New Brunswick and Nova Scotia coasts, appear on the accompanying map. On looking over the mean tidal ranges throughout the Gulf, we observe that this is the area of greatest tides of our whole coast, 
ranges of ten or twelve feet prevailing. The least range on the mainland is about eight feet, near Newburyport, increasing southward to nearly eleven feet in Cape Cod Bay, and northward to about fifteen feet at the entrance to the Bay of Fundy. On the coast of Nova Scotia there is a similar increase northward from the seven-foot tide of Cape Sable. Up the Bay of Fundy, the increase in tidal range is rapid and parallel on the two shores, that is, a line at right angles to the axis of the bay connects points of equal range. At the head of the bay the range is about thirty feet, and thence it rapidly increases in the narrowing channels to forty-one feet at Moncton, on the Chignecto River, and forty-three and a half feet in the Basin of Minas. On the examination of the times, it appears that high water reaches the coast almost simultaneously from Cape Cod to the head of the Bay of Fundy. Lines are sketched on the map through places with the intervals 4 hours 50 minutes and 5 hours 10 minutes to illustrate this fact. These intervals are chosen because they are means of a considerable number of stations and can therefore be drawn with some confidence. Of particular value is the 4-hour, 50-minute line, closely determined on the main coast on Grand Manan and at two stations in New Brunswick. Across the Bay of Fundy, at its head, the island stations of Isle Hot, 4 hours, 49 minutes, and Black Rock, 4 hours, 58 minutes, fix the position of the line equally well. That it cannot flex far to southwest before going ashore is indicated by the spacing of the intervals along the Nova Scotia coast. Annapolis must not be used for this purpose, as it has a delayed bayhead tide. If the tide wave advances on a line at right angles to its front, we expect to find its front at right angles to the bay axis, that is, northwest to southeast. It appears that the wave does not advance up the Bay of Fundy because Drawing the four-hour, fifty-minute line with the utmost partiality to such a view, the greater part of its length in the Bay of Fundy trends northeast-southwest. In other words, the southern half of Nova Scotia seems to have almost no effect on the direction of the wave advance, or front, at any rate, in the Bay of Fundy. Either the wave advances from southeast to northwest, which is not here supposable, or the tide in the main bay is not a progressive wave at all. The co-tidals are drawn on the assumption of a progressive wave. The result is the reductio ad absurdum of that assumption. The analysis of Mr. Henry Mitchell is in brief as follows. 1. High tide occurs at about the same time, from Labrador to Florida, except in the Gulf of Maine, where it is three and a half hours later. 2. A flood current to southwest appears simultaneously along the whole outer coast preceding high water, which is followed by a general ebb current to the northeast, also appearing simultaneously along the whole coast. 3. Soon after high water outside, which is a time of level within the gulf, a current sits strongly to north-northwest over the sill into the Gulf of Maine, and the water rises within the gulf. An impulse observed at one of our current stations is almost immediately followed by a vertical change on the most distant shore. The current continues to flow thus uphill, until high water in the gulf, when it slacks and turns. 
Three hours later, it is flowing out with maximum strength. The gulf is level, and low water is established outside. While the water rises outside, and the general flood current of the coast sets to southwest, the gulf current continues to flow out over the sill, again uphill, until three hours before high water without, when low water prevails in the gulf. And four, the water bodies move from top to bottom. A diver on the coast of Maine observed distinct motion in 23 fathoms. Conclusion The Gulf of Maine and Bay of Fundy offer a dead angle to the general flood current to the southwest, while the ebb current finds in it a pocket into which the waters are crowded, and by virtue of their viva piled up into the Bay of Fundy. After comparing with a fluid oscillating in a bent tube with two arms of very unequal size and inclination, the author suggests that the Bay of Fundy tides are a result of a rocking of the ocean into a contracting flume. Mr. Mitchell regards the sill as a node, and the oscillations in the Gulf of Maine as produced by the periodic impulse of the North Atlantic Oscillation. It is not clear why there is no tendency toward pocketing the flood current in the Cape Cod Bay. There also seems to be a difficulty with the period by which the gulf tides follow those of the outer shore. If there is a node on the cell, and that the only node, the tides without and within should differ in time by six hours. From Mr. Mitchell's explanation of the Gulf of Maine tides, however, he evidently does not mean by node here what is usually meant by the word. His study is important for its actual detection of oscillatory slopes in the gulf, its notice of synchronism of tides and currents in each of the two areas, and its frank abandonment of the progressive wave. A more satisfactory reason for the delay in the gulf of Maine tides may perhaps be found in the insistence on the east-west direction of the ocean oscillation that originates the shore tides. The deep entrance to the gulf is about 200 miles from shore on a northwest-southeast line. An east-west cross-section on the shelf in latitude 43 degrees measures more than 400 miles, reaching the steep descent from the shelf a little south of the Sable Island bank. Supposing the earliest impulse to enter the Gulf of Maine be that by the deep channel, this must be followed and augmented by the progressive waves across the bench, and later by those that have come across the shallower banks. Such an impulse would need to be a bodily transfer of the water mass. Observed currents are not incompatible with the idea, a northward detection of all water entering the gulf being brought about by the gradient into the Bay of Fundy. It is interesting that true nodal oscillations have been detected in the Bay of Fundy by Mr. A. W. Duff. He finds an oscillation of the waters between St. John, New Brunswick, and Digby Gut in three segments and a period of 42 minutes, according well with the depth and width of the section, and having the northwest-southeast direction indicated by our co-tidal wavefront. A similar oscillation of much shorter period is noted in the mouth of the St. John River. The free oscillation period of the Gulf of Maine, however, would be much less than the observed one of a half-lunar day. The only tenable conception of the Gulf of Maine tides as oscillations with a node on the sill 
requires that the whole ocean from the sill to europe form the outer segment to the gulf waters and this of course requires the gulf times to agree with general coast times long island sound tides no application of mr mitchell's analysis to the tides of long island sound is possible as the tide unquestionably enters on the east yet the tide is certainly more belated here than in the gulf of maine and shows a close analogy to the fluming observed in the bay of fundy what happens in the entrance to the basin is better known here since the passage is a narrow one with tidal stations on either hand and even on islands out in the channel this entrance to the sound has a depth of thirty fathoms the deep axis of the sound lies near the southern shore in fifteen to twenty fathoms with a constant gentle rise to the north the main water body clearly oscillates on mass this is evident from the synchronism of tides throughout the sound it seems equally clear that the impulse comes from the outer coast as a progressive wave perhaps combined with a massive movement which consumes two hours in advancing through the ten-mile entrance in this reach of slow progression the ranges are naturally slight and there is little gain but the narrowing and shoaling of the western end of the sound causes the tide to augment its range rapidly in that direction from two to seven point two feet this is accompanied by a gentle steepening of the wavefront, and is the natural result of bodily fluming the water into a narrow, shallow bay head, whatever the driving force, as we shall see presently. For the times, it is striking that from no man's land to Block Island there should be a difference of but eleven minutes, while the far shorter distance to Montauk Point consumes three-quarters of an hour some light may be had by referring again to the east-west line of the oceanic oscillation the nearest deep water to montauk point block island and no man's land is some seventy miles to the south from this point though at right angles to the direct line of the motion the earliest tidal impulse would probably arrive and the indications of early time at no man's land and block island result this would not however prevent the transmission of the direct impulse across the georges and nantucket shoals nearly two hundred fifty miles in an easterly direction this impulse would be faint and retarded by the long journey across the shoals reaching the islands in comparatively open water the effect will be there to check the falling tide in its descent at montauk point however where the waters are confined and the range is small the eastern tide may overtake the local tide soon after its greatest height and make highest water come later than the local tide would have come we must think of a massive westward motion of the water here rather than of a progressive wave or in addition to it the accompanying diagram shows a number of tidal stations with their times and such co-tidals as can be drawn one hour two hour three hours and three hours and forty-five minutes no man's land is marked with a heavy cross gulf of st lawrence tides the tidal data for this area are not so numerous as is desirable like the basins described above the deep connection with the ocean is by a channel much inclined to the direction of ocean movement 
here the axis of the broad entrance trends about northwest southeast impulses across the shelf by the grand and st pierre banks must enter the gulf later and may produce the delay in high water as before the tides range about four feet in amplitude at the gulf entrance and swash out flatter in the wide space within throughout the deep area between anticosti labrador and newfoundland high water is fairly simultaneous about two hours after the outer coast tide in the shallower northwest corner of the gulf a tide wave progresses from the deep channel near anticosti along the new brunswick coast to prince edward island on which it divides passing both north and south of the island and presently meeting tides that come westward from the cape brayton entrances and the gut of Kanza, ranges of three or four feet prevail save in narrow passages the meeting of the tides marked on the north and south of prince edward island on the charts is a meeting of currents and in the whole southwest area there is a steady progression not only on the point of high water but also of the currents all the tide waves in the southwest arrive in twenty-five minutes less time than they spend in falling this is found typical of progressive waves in shallow waters we call such waves steep-fronted and find their extreme case among tides and bores and in ordinary short waves in the surf of the beach with quick straight uprise of water in front and long gentle slope behind in the northeast as in the shelf waters generally rise and fall are of equal duration bay of fundy tides a brief note follows on a region geographically intermediate between the estuaries and the shelf basins these are of a special character as was implied in the discussion of the gulf of maine it is not a typical estuary the fact that its area is almost coextensive with the soft triassic sandstones that appear in patches all about its shores together with the fact that it is now rapidly cutting these remnants away is perfectly compatible with the former existence of triassic rocks through most of the area with an axial valley narrower and more typical in form through which the pedicodaic st john and st croix poured their waters into the gulf of maine given such conditions the rushing tides resulting from the massive oscillation of the gulf waters into the estuary must have tended toward the present conditions a good description of the fundy tides is still lacking the greatest mean range is of forty three and a half feet in the basin of minus fifty feet at mean springs favoring meteorological conditions may increase this but nearly one-half on rare occasions so that a seventy-foot tide is not incredible it is found that narrowing bays multiply an accidental or non-lunar disturbance of water level in the same proportion that they do the tidal oscillation thus geneva is situated at the head of a narrowing shoaling arm of the lake of geneva perfectly comparable to the bay of fundy but with a sixteenth the water volume of the whole lake the seiches or swaying oscillations of the whole lake produce a wave two or three times as great at geneva as at points anywhere in the main lake for large oscillations or for small similarly barometric disturbances over the gulf of st lawrence that cause only a slight change in the small local tide add six or seven feet 
to the seventeen-foot Quebec tide. During a storm which raged in Chesapeake Bay in September of 1876, the water rose four feet two inches above mean high tide level at Alexandria. Mean spring range at Alexandria is but three feet, so a storm rise of four feet on the open coast was eight feet at Hellgate. During the gauging of East River, a modest northeast wind heaped up the western end of Long Island Sound nearly a half foot above the harbor on one occasion. It is just as easy for weather to add twenty feet to the tidal rise in the basin of Minas as five feet at Lynn Mass, January 23, 1898, where spring range is but eleven feet. A bore apparently exists in both Chignecto Bay and the Minas Basin, where it has been described as coming in two lines. To judge from photographs, the bore is but a few feet high. Details about it are not given. A well-established feature of these tides is the extraordinary amounts of sediment deposited at the estuary heads. In a hollow iron cylinder at Windsor, Murphy measured 30 inches of fine sand and mud deposited from the tides in 122 days, being uncovered at low water. W. L. Goodwin states that thousands of acres of bogland have thus been built up by the tide in Westmoreland County, New Brunswick. A lake 15 feet deep in 1867 was kept in communication with the bay by a canal that the tides might have free access. In 1892, it was quite filled and yielding bay. In Sackville County, 3,000 acres have been reclaimed. Mr. Goodwin seems to refer the origin of the mud and the water to the wearing of the rushing tides on the soft shales. Dr. R. T. Jackson states that this is very marked at Joggins, Nova Scotia. The steepening of the wavefront is inconsiderable, and an advance of high water as a progressive wave hardly exists where our observations are distributed. End of section three.